Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, everybody doing good? Everybody doing good? Good to see you. I want to welcome again everybody who's streaming the service online, wherever you are. We're glad to have you. Hey, I want to get something off my chest real quick. I'm not changing the dress code. Okay? It was just cold this morning. You you guys are so judgmental. The biggest question I've been asked all morning long, what are you doing? Why are you wearing a coat? Should we all wear coats? What's going on? Can we all relax? Okay? It's just cold outside. And I have one sweater that my wife will let me wear at church, and I wore it last week. I didn't want to wear it two weekends in a row. So, okay, all right, let's stand for closing prayer, all right. Hey, we're, um, grab your notes, we're in a series, we're in the third week of a series, and we're uh, learning right now about the development of our soul. Here's kind of what we're saying if you're getting in on this. We're starting the new year, all of us, when we start the new year, we have a tendency to focus on renewal, we have a tendency to focus on new things, and when we're doing that at the beginning of the year, typically what we do is we focus on our physical uh, bodies. And we, we work on our bodies. Sometimes we will start a new year and we'll go, I'm going to give some attention to my mind. I'm going to develop some new things. I'm going to take up a new interest. I'm going to read a new book, learn a new thing. And all of that stuff as well. And all of that stuff is good. But really what um, we're wanting to do in this series is we're wanting to give some attention to our souls. And we're wanting to grow our souls, our interior lives, if you will. We're going to focus on our interior uh, lives. And uh, we think that the soul actually is pretty important. Jesus thought it was important. I want to show you a couple of things he said. I shared them last week. I want to show you this. This is Mark 8, 36 and 37. Jesus said these words. He said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or lose their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So that's, that's an important observation that I think matters. How many of you think it matters? Say a muffled Amen. All right, great. And then um, we are using really as the theme verse for our series, I think some really important words that Jesus said uh, that are recorded in the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And we're going to read these words. In fact, here's the goal. I'm going to have us read these words every seven days because I want us to think about these words. I want us to sort of meditate on them, get them down in our heart, get them past sort of the cerebral cortex of our brain, get them down into our heart a little bit. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. We're going to read this out loud. And we're going to read it with boldness. Okay? Ready? I, I, you're not ready. Are we going to read this with boldness? Okay, here we go. Ready? Go. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you could use some rest for your soul? Come on, some of you are not focused yet. You need to get into this. And I think this is really important conversation. It's an important work. And, um, you know, last week, if you are with us, uh, to sort of take a, a step toward the development of our souls. Uh, I taught you guys a little prayer exercise that a lot of us on our staff are doing right now. And we're just taking a, we're calling it the one minute pause. And during the one minute pause, we're just sort of saying this, we're saying, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. We're going to do it right now. 
Uh, we've already prayed a lot, which is good. Some of y'all need to be praying more than you're praying. Come on, you guys. Yeah, man. I have, to, I have to be energetic and keep going because you guys look so weird with all the masks on, so I have to do what I have to do. And um, so, you know, this is the one-minute pause. We're saying, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Let's say it together. Ready? Go. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. Say it again with meaning. Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. How many of you did that last week? Was it helpful? It was to me. And so we're learning how to do this. We're taking a step in our soul, uh, in the development of our souls. And this weekend, what I'm going to do, I want to move to a fairly familiar passage of Scripture, but we're going to look at it through a different lens. And what, this is the, one of the ways I love to preach is I love to take common Scriptures that we think about, but I want us to look at it in a little different way this morning. And we're going to go over to uh, John chapter 15, and we're going to read the story uh, here, which is we just know is the, it's called the vine and the branches. And this is Jesus, most scholars believe, probably in the upper room with the disciples just prior to his betrayal and uh, crucifixion. And Jesus uh, write, or says, I shouldn't say writes, but he says, John records it in John 15, beginning in verse 1, Jesus says this, he goes, I am the true vine. I'm the true vine. And my father's the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, Jesus says, and I also remain as I remain in you. For no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, he says again. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves then to be my disciples. Let's pray. You know, God, we, I think many of us uh, watching online, worshiping online in, in this space, we want to be your disciples. We're striving for that. So, uh, Lord, open your word to us uh, that we might have a better understanding of what you're communicating to us through your holy word so that you got, God would inspire and teach us how to show ourselves as disciples. This we pray in Jesus' name and everyone said. Amen. Hey, uh, I think that a lot of times when this passage of Scripture is preached on, uh, I think most of the time we, we, we talk about branches and we talk about fruit bearing and we talk about all kinds of horticultural kind of stuff. That's, that's sort of my tendency to think of that. Um, how many of y'all would say you're, you got a green thumb? Four of us. So the rest of you guys are not good. How many, how many of you would just declare in this space... I'm not good with plants. You are my people. And uh, I, am, I want to tell you, I work at this a lot. I take Friday off. I try not to do any people kinds of things on Friday. I typically work in my yard on Friday. And I'm learning uh, how to do this. We have a new ministry in our church uh, right now called Garden of Hope. I want to show you a picture here. There's the sign. And these guys, there's a bunch of precious people that are, we are uh, building raised garden beds uh, out on our 10 acres in the back. And we're going to be uh, uh, planting vegetables and these sorts of things to use in our care ministry and our 
ministry and our food giveaways uh, through what we call Hope in Action and all of that, I want you to know they've not invited me to be a part of this yet. And I think part of that is they, they know that I'm getting better, but I'm not great. I remember years ago when we used to go to Home Depot and we would get plants and you know, you come home, you stick them in your yard, then they die and you rip those out and you go get more plants. And I was in that process and like the second or third time I I, I went over there. There was a guy in the garden there. He's not there any longer, but he was there. And, and he noticed that I was coming back. He goes, back so soon. And, and I told him, I said, yeah, we're going to, he goes, can I just ask a question? He goes, is it different plants or area or the same area? And I confessed. I said, well, it's kind of the same area. It didn't, didn't work out. I, I think it's the, I was giving him all these technical stuff, you know, and I'm putting all the plants on the, on the deal. He walks me out in my truck, helps me with the plants, and he says, can I offer last rites over these plants? <laughs> and I, I almost thought, I'm going to Lowe's. I'm not going to Home Depot anymore. <laughs> when our kids were little, uh, some of y'all remember this uh, as moms and dads, you go through the pet deal, right? And, and pets usually start off, we got the kids fish. And I always felt really bad for whatever fish got caught in the net by the salesperson that they put in the bag and then you take home because their lifespan went, woo, you know? And we have, a, we have a precious family in our church that when they were going through that, the, the mom was coming through the house and she didn't see the fish in the fish bowl. And the little daughter had taken the fish out of the bowl and put the fish uh, in her jewelry box because they were goldfish, is what she told. This is a true story. It's a true story. And I want you to know the mom did rescue the fish, but this is the kind of thing. But I think a lot of times when we are, um, when we read this passage, this is what we think about. It's about planting and fruit bearing and and horticulture and all that. And and it kind of is. But this morning and this weekend, I want us to look at it from a different angle. And when we're, when we're talking about fruit bearing and all that, it, it's sort of like the focus in a way is on us. Here's what I want to do in this space. I, I want to look at it through the lens of Jesus' relationship with his father. Because I think that's implied in this story. And I think it's implied in a way that if we're going to be disciples, right, we would learn to take our cues from Jesus. And when we look at this story in this way, it kind of shifts the focus. And I think what it does actually, you guys, and let me use some good horticultural language, it unearths, notice how I said that, it unearths some important things to consider. I want to give you three things. Here's the first one. I think this text says to us this. Your life is your choice. And I noticed that in verse 1. It's sort of a preemptor to everything that I think we can learn from this wonderful uh, passage of Scripture. But in John chapter 15, verse 1, notice what Jesus says. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And what I want you to notice here is that in this story is that Jesus, look at what's going on. Jesus isn't saying he's the only vine. He's just saying he's the true one. Do you notice that? Jesus isn't saying that there aren't other things that you and I could get grafted into. He's just saying he's the only one worthy of the investment 
of our life's devotion. When I, when, I, when I rephrase this and when I focus this around the life that Jesus lived before his heavenly father, this kind of thing just pops out. And when Jesus uses some language here that I think is really incredible, and John records it, and what you would want to know about the Greek languages, there were so many different prefixes and suffixes that, there, that we can actually kind of tune in pretty clearly on what Jesus is saying, just if we understand just almost as a casual reader what's up underneath this text. And when you're reading in verse 1, and he says this wonderful idea that he says, I am the true vine. The word he uses for true vine is the word alithenos, which means this. It means authentic. It means real. It means genuine. And it also doesn't mean this. It means not imaginary, which I think is important. And what Jesus is really, I think, communicating, what John is recording that Jesus is saying to the disciples, is he's basically saying this. There's a lot of stuff in the world to get addicted to, to get connected with, to get grafted into, and we should all be careful about the choices that we make. This is really important. It's really, really important. And I think it's a preemptor to anything else we might understand. I I, I want to say some things about our world and maybe even our nation This is what I kind of think sometimes. I think that we are in our world right now at this particular moment in history. We are in a full-on identity crisis. And we have really lost our identity. No one seems to know who they are anymore. We're all seeking to identify, to define our lives by something. And I think what Jesus is trying to communicate here is that we should all be more careful about this because here's the thing. At the end of the day, you get to choose how you live. You get to choose how you identify yourself. But here's, remember when you do that, that's the legacy you leave. One day somebody's, somebody's going to memorialize around your life. Are you okay with that? Now, I'd tell you this, um, you know, part of the work of a pastor, right, is to do funerals. I do a lot of funerals, and I do a lot of funerals for people I don't even know, which is hard. And I just want to, I want you to feel sorry for me for a moment. It's hard. It's hard to memorialize somebody you don't know. And I, I've taken great pains over the years to try to develop a way to do that that helps me personalize a service in a way that tries to bring what, what honor I can bring. It's really hard when a family isn't sure who the person is. And you sit down and talk to family, and there's all these conflicting views about who they are. Your life's telling a story. We have to be careful what we choose. I remember a story, I'm sure it's, I don't know if it's true, a little preacher story about a guy who passed away, and his brother shows up and meets with a preacher, and he says, you know what? He said, it's real important to our family that when you go out and memorialize my brother that you tell everybody he was a saint. And the, and, and the brother and the preacher said, I can't do that. Everybody knows your brother was a horrible human being. I mean, he was just a, he just was a miserly, self-centered, focused guy, only focused on himself. And the guy said, I'm telling you, you better get out there and you better figure out a way to tell everybody he was a saint. So the funeral comes, the preacher stands up and he says, listen, this guy before us, Everybody knows he was a horrible human being. Miserly, cheap, never treated anybody with respect. But next to his brother, this guy's a saint. 
Come on, come on. That's good. This is really, really an important thing for us to understand. The psalmist said this. Look at this powerful verse. He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. He's not saying add them up. We can't add them up. We don't know how long we're going to live. Here's what he's saying. Consider them. Take a moment and think about your life. We don't know how long we got, but we have a life. Think about your life and consider, he's saying, is it worthy of all the investments that you are making right now on your life? Because one day your life is going to be over and everybody's going to say, he or she lived and identified this way. It's important. Now, the, 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 the two thoughts behind this, I think, are very relevant too. And once we get past the fact that Jesus is not just the, on, uh, is not the only vine, he's the true vine, I think the second observation is really important, and here it is. We have to remember that the entire Christian life presupposes an orientation around the life of Jesus. The sum total of the Christian experience is that you and I would figure out a way, right, to orient our entire lives, not parts of our lives, our entire life around Jesus and who he is. Now, here's the thing. One of the things I love about our church is our, our church makes no apologies for trying to go right at that topic. And we think a lot of times, you know, we've gotten it wrong. And I, I think sometimes we see expressions of the Christian faith that seem lifeless and boring and irrelevant and weird and awkward and all that. And we try to say, not that, but still yet, after we remove that, we still have to, as followers of Jesus, we orient our lives around Jesus. Here's, here's where I get that. Here's where I get it. In verse 4 and 5, John 15, he says this. Jesus says, hey, remain in me. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It's got to remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me. And I in you, you'll bear fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You know what he says a lot there? He says, remain. Five times, two verses. I don't know how many times throughout all those eight verses. Remain in me. You know what remain means? Remain. You know what else it means? It means this, really. It communicates the idea, stay. It's like what we say to our animals. Stay. Hold. Hold. Be in a holding pattern. And I don't know about you, I, I've learned in my own life, I don't, I don't do a holding pattern really well. I wrote this down in my notes. I shared this at nine. It didn't go over particularly well. So it might've been, I had too much coffee this week, but here's what I wrote down in my, in my notes as I'm kind of working on my message. I have this little thing that I do. And I wrote down in my notes, I thought I'm going to include it. This is what I wrote. I said, Hey, has anyone ever gone outside and spent the afternoon watching grass grow? See, it went over just like this at nine o'clock. <laughs> but here's what I want to tell you. You ever done that? I'm not necessarily recommending it, but here's what I am saying to you. There's a lot going on that sort of looks like there's nothing going on. You get my point? There's a lot of stuff happening that doesn't really look like there's anything happening. 
This is the idea that Jesus is trying to communicate. Remain. But Lord, it's slow. Remain. I got work to do. Remain. Lord, I have other ideas. Remain. Hold. Don't get ahead of me. Slow down. This week, I had an experience in that. Uh, My precious mama, uh, on Monday, uh, had some pretty, not even pretty, she had some significant eye surgery. Struggling with glaucoma, we're trying to we're trying to keep the eye. And she had some. I want to show you my precious mama. Here she is. She came to my house. There she is. And she cute. Wait, she probably watching wave, but wave real big if you want to say hi to her. And uh, and so she came to live with us uh, after the surgery. My 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 younger brother. Uh, what well, our little routine is? He he'll take her to Bascom Palmer, you know, and. And then I meet, and then I bring her home because she, because after you have eye surgery, this is what your life becomes. I want to show you the next picture. It becomes that. Over and over and over and over and over again. And, and I watch my precious mama, who's 91, who is, man, she's, she's, she's quick. She's with it. And, um, and, and, her, and this becomes her life. And I have to tell you, I mean, um, our family, like here's what I, we've said in our family this week, Beth and I, we shifted into third gear. It just sort of slows down. And then I was taking her back to the doctor. My wife took her back to the doctor. And, and there's, let me just tell you all, there's this whole subculture called the doctor world <laughs> that we all live above it until it knocks on our door. And, and I, was, I was learning the discipline of slowing down to be with my precious mom. And God was saying some things to me in that space that I, that I sometimes run too fast to hear, if you know what I'm saying, right? And uh, it, was, it was interesting. She would do all these drops, and then when she wasn't doing drops, she was calling the pharmacist, calling the doctor, and all of that, and just kind of working out the process of healing. I mean, her life's become oriented around that. And uh, when you slow down, you can see some things. And I have to tell you, I mean, um, this is kind of the, the message that I think Jesus is wanting us to understand. We orient our lives around Jesus. Now, I want to say this to my mama. She, she heard it at nine, but when she would call the doctor, I kept hearing her. This is what she kept saying. She said, well, I am staying with my daughter and my son-in-law. <laughs> Four times. I was like, I have been replaced again. So here's a simple question. Is your life orienting around Jesus? Is it? Um, one time Jesus was with the disciples and with the Pharisees. They're known in the Bible as the professionally religious, right? And this woman comes in who Jesus had forgiven of her sin. She was a prostitute, actually. And um, she's filled with emotion over his forgiveness and who he is. 
And Jesus says to the Pharisees and to the disciples, he said, she's closer to the kingdom than many of you. And do you know why he, what, what would only make that possible? She was orienting her life around Jesus. And the professionally religious had it all figured out. And they didn't need him anymore. Can we all just confess our common need for Jesus? We need him. And I want to say in closing one other thing. When I look at Jesus' life, I notice this. I didn't know any other way to say it. I just said this. When I look at Jesus' life, I notice that his life had a rhyme, a rhythm, and a song. You ever heard that phrase? And I see it in verse 8. I want to explain it. Here's what he says in verse 8. This is, Jesus says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear fruit showing yourself to be my disciples. He had a rhyme, rhythm, and a song. What was his rhyme? He followed the lead of his heavenly Father. Jesus said it this way at one point. He said, when you see me, you've seen him. Isn't that amazing? There's the rhyme. What, did, didn't they say, um, what is it like when you copy someone, it's the sincerest form of flattery? Now, we know there was a lot more theologically going on there, but Jesus' Jesus' life had a, had a rhyme to it. It looked like God. It had a rhythm. Here was the rhythm. He was never in a hurry, but always on time. That was the rhythm. In fact, I want to read this to you. Um, Ann Voskamp says this, a Christian author. She says, you know, she said, we should watch being in a hurry and trying to get to the next thing without ever entering fully into the thing that's in front of us. She says, I cannot think of a single advantage I've ever gained from being in a hurry, but a thousand broken and missing things, tens of thousands of things, lie in the wake of all my rushing. And through all that haste, I thought I was making up time. And it turns out, I was throwing it all away. Wow. A couple years ago, many years ago, in the early days of our church, I had a friend who lived here for a while, not here any longer, and he had a big old, he bought a big old speedboat. And he called me up one day, he said, Pastor, I want to take you out of my speedboat. And I said, all right, man, I'd love, I'd, great, where'd I show up? And I, you know, this is back when the church was small, I had time on my hands, right? So I'm like, where do you want me to meet you? So I, I meet him. I get in this boat. His boat was as long as the dock. It had like four of these huge Yamaha 250 VMAX, I mean, just huge motors. We get in, we start lumbering out into the intercoastal, and I'm, I'm taking a look at this scenario, and i sitting in the seat, you know, and I thought, maybe I should buckle in. And I turned to him, I said, should I, should I buckle in? He kind of winked at me, he goes, nah. You don't need to buckle in. I should have known that was a problem. And um, he starts picking up speed, and as he and when he reaches this certain speed, I kid you not, the the seat I was sitting in started to go, and it goes down and became a wall that you're standing against, so you don't fly out the back of the boat. I kid you not. We got home, and my wife said, "How was?" how was your time on the water? I said, I'm not even sure we were in the water. <laughs> and, you know, I took off my hat. My hair was like, this is when I had hair. It was like, 
You know, and I look like, have you guys seen the picture of this pretty girl? This is her on the first day of school. This is after school when they picked her up. I'm like, that's how I looked, you know? But Jesus was never in a hurry, and he was always on time. There was a rhyme, there was a rhythm, and there was a song. You know what the song was? He wanted to bring glory to his Father. And that's a question for all of us. Do you really want to bring glory to your Heavenly Father? You know what the Bible says? One day we'll all stand before him and we'll be given an opportunity to remember the identities of our life. Let it point toward your heavenly father. We're going to close uh, by singing again the song that is really one of my favorite songs we do around here. Karen led it, Jesus, I love you. And uh, use this as a moment, will you, to say, Lord, I give everyone and everything to you. Grow my soul for your kingdom's purpose. Let's stand and we'll sing it one more time. Uh, That we would be the kind of people, oh Lord, that it wouldn't be just a song, but God, you would grow our souls to the way that our, our whole life really becomes a reflection of your glory. I mean, even so much, Lord, I'm learning right now in this season to live a, you know, to live a questionable life that makes people wonder what is behind the curtain that brings purpose and meaning and depth of soul, love, inexpressible joy, even in the midst of difficult moments. God, grow our souls so that we can be those kinds of people. This is our prayer offered in the name of Jesus who loves us. Go in his love and in his peace. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God bless you. We'll see you next weekend.